Hi, welcome back to another episode of Talking Stocks. It's what we do. I'm here today with a very special guest. I'm here with Jeffrey Hirsch, who is, I'm going to call him, you know what, Jeff, I'm just going to call you the seasonality guru. How's that? Seasonality guru, Jeff Hirsch. Uh, Jeff, do I have to get in some sort of like yoga pose to be called a guru? <laughs> right, right. You know, maybe we'll create some new yoga poses, um, Pilates, who knows? We'll, we'll just go wherever the show takes us today, talking stocks. But I'm just, I'm really excited to have Jeff here on the show with us today because I started up in the business about 20, a little over 20 years ago. And one of the first books I bought uh, when I started managing money for institutions and selling research was the Stock Traders Almanac. And I just want to, you know, for prop purposes, Jeff, here it is, the 2001 edition, my first one. Uh, and uh, I tell you, I still have it today. It's well-worn. I do do have also the new new edition, and I'm looking forward Good. to talking to you. You about got it open that. to the you got it open to the right page there. I see. I do. I have it on the March on the March setup. You know, Jeff, I was I was doing a little bit of um, digging into your background, and I was fascinated by your father and and just you know for for listeners out there who may not be familiar with the Stock Traders Almanac and what your dad has done, and and I assume you were standing over his shoulder as a toddler looking at what he was doing and helping him with the boxes. I mean, maybe you could just give us a quick, a quick in the uh, background. Well, you, you just, uh, you just reminded me of a story. Speaking of, I don't know if I was a toddler. I might've been a little bit older than a toddler for this, but he used to, once he moved the office back to the, our house, we, we, he converted the old garage into an office, finished it and put a new garage on. He was tired of commuting into the city. And, you know, he kind of used the dining room table a lot for meetings. We had writers in the house and stuff. And, I remember coming in to like say goodnight to him in my pajamas or whatever. And they were looking at charts and he's like, you know, what do you think of this chart? Is it going up or down? And, you know, <laughs> I probably said up or something because, you know, whatever. But I think it was might have been Polaroid or something. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I really learned from the ground up. You know, we started out in the mailroom. You know, he he had an interesting history. I mean, he was in the, the music, the songwriting business, the music business. Um, he had a degree in music from Brooklyn College on the GI Bill even though they bounced him around from, uh, you know, training to training, he never really actually saw action over there. His, br his brother did. His older brother, my uncle Harold, was in the, the uh, Patton's Army, the mechanized uh, second wave at Omaha Beach. He was in uh, Maurice Rose's uh, army, who was the highest ranking Jewish army a general or army officer. I think it was a general, one star. Anyway, I digress. But um, he started Indicator Digest in uh, Palisades Park, New Jersey, run by uh, his cousin, my cousin, my godfather, Sam Coslow, you know, so then he went out on his own. He had the, he had the uh, uh, epiphany to take all these indicators, patterns, cycles, trends, and organize them in the calendar format that you look at there so he could follow the market schedule along with his own. And so the rest of us, you know, could. Obviously it hit. So he broke out on his own in 66 when my mother was pregnant with me, uh, you know, just kind of a you know, conservative move, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? And uh, he did all the research, took all these patterns and stuff, and then started developing his own, like in 72. It's a January barometer, Santa Claus rally. Uh, those are all his inventions. People get some of those wrong. And then, um, you know, big proponent of the four-year cycle. And uh, 86, he, he created the um, best and worst six-month switching strategy. Everyone talks about selling May. And, you know, we don't go away, but some people like that's the old British saw. Um, but you got to you got to you got to remember to, you know, buy in October to get yourself sober, as I always try to 
come up with a little rhyme. It's not the greatest one, but um, it works. It works. You know, so I, I started packing books and shipping them out. I mean, we sold a lot to brokers and you know, advisors. Back then, it was all brokers. And then we were in big into the newsletter business. At one point, when I was working with them in the '90s, we had about six newsletters we were publishing a month. Wow, it was a lot. Wow, that is a lot. I mean, you yeah. I, you talked to you you know you covered a little bit of ground there talking about some of the indicators that you've kind of like built the pillars of uh, of success around the Stock Traders Almanac. And one of them, obviously, being the ja the January barometer, which I think is a very important. I don't know if you'd call that the most important. I mean, if I put you on the spot. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? Would you say that's what, what do you think is the most important of of the indicators that that are incorporated in the stock? Of the seasonal market? indicators, that's probably the, the granddaddy of them all. But I think the most important seasonality pattern that's that's kind of more tradable is the best and worst months. And then you know, one of the things that blows me away is it's one of the one of the uh, um, calculations I used to do back in the old days. Uh, we used to run the numbers, and I know not like a bookie, but uh, calculations for the you know uh and the monthly cash flows on page 147 that that you that you are familiar with i'm sure um you know the days of the month that the trading days of the month that work best but the, and also the intraday trading patterns you know funny thing last night i was watching uh i've been checking out shep smith the news with shepherd smith you know like cnbc sure. some good some good coverage not always the same old stuff and they showed the gamestop thing and i actually snapped a picture of it the intraday trading pattern of gamestop yesterday forgetting about all the hype in the news and that, that's another story tracks look at page 139 since we have our guidebook here right that top part i mean there was a there was a uh, a noon dip and yep. a 2230 dip in gamestop i mean i guess i could show you on the phone if you wanted to see it it yeah. just blew me away. I was like having my dinner. And uh, let's see. Look at this. Modern technology. See? Doesn't it look similar to the yes. chart back there? So, yes. you know, despite all the high-frequency trading and, and the, um, you know, algos, there's still humans that program these things. And there's still people that got to look away from the computer. And, you know, you got that 2-2-30 dip and that rally to the close. I mean, Everyone's like, you know, you get a little sleepy there. Siesta time, two o'clock. Gotta go grab another coffee, a Diet Coke, or Red Bull, whatever you do, or you know, a bonbon or some whatever you do. I, I do coffee, but it still amazes me that that these behavioral finance patterns of how people consistently and repetitively do the same things with their money, uh, these patterns persist. I mean, you've got COVID, which will knock it for a loop. There's other things. There's news flows, but overall. People continue to do the same things at the same times of day, week, month, year, quarter, and presidential cycle. You know, it's fascinating that you say that because I think that, you know, one of the things, if you're not familiar with seasonality, if you've never incorporated it into, into your process, um, you're probably asking yourself, well, why should I care what happened, you know, 30 years ago or over some period of time or, or anything like that? And you really just hinted towards it, I think, which is that old Twainism, right? History may not, you know, uh, repeat, but it rhymes. Yeah, but it rhymes. And and I always kind of look at it in the degree of tendencies. You know, I, I don't know if you look at how you look at season. How would you? Why would? How would you say if you were talking to one of my probabilities? Students, yeah, probabilities. Okay. And we don't just use one time frame. I mean, to add, I mean, this is one of the things we do. You're standing on Yale's shoulders. Like with the January barometer, we take the Santa Claus rally, the last five days of the old year, first two of the new year. 
plus the first five days early warning system and the January barometer. And we got our January indicator trifecta. So we're building, you know, on things with our seasonal patterns, especially with the, you know, what we do with the probabilities fund is we track those, those super eight, super seven trading days, which are different for each month. But we look at it over three time frames, back to 50, you know, post-World War II, back to either 71, which is when NASDAQ started, or 31 years, and then the recent 21-year period. So we're looking for clusters of frequency and magnitude where, you know, the market does the same type of thing or, or the, a consistently similar thing uh, on a regular basis. And, and you're looking for things, you know, 60% of the time or better is a bullish day. If the S&P is, is up or versus down, it's a bearish day. You know, weeks after triple witching, especially June and September, notoriously uh, uh, weak periods of time where, where, you know, positions are squared and it mirrors the, the flows of pension funds. And just to make sure this is not, we don't, we're not pure seasonal. Seasonal is our, is our behavioral finance foundation. But when I pick stocks and I look at the market, I mean, I can do some technical analysis as well. I got some charts. I mean, we did a lot of that back in the day, trend lines, you know, we, we got pivot points now, moving averages, you know, dojis, candles. I look at these things and we look, and when we pick our buy limits for stocks, we recommend stocks using a fundamental screen during the seasonally ripe time with a technical analysis, uh, buy limit, technically analyzed buy limit and stop loss. Also some relative strength. We look at, you know, I'm a big fan of put call ratios and investors intelligence, bullish percent, bearish percent advisors, as well as advanced decline lines, new highs and lows, market internal. So it's not just seasonality, but it gives you another edge. And, and you hear it everywhere I go. I'm listening to the, the news flows. Oh, yeah, oil's seasonally strong right now. No kidding. Look at page 92, you know. It's right there. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's like another tool in the toolbox. You know, Precisely. why would you, if, you know, and sometimes the hammer is the right tool and sometimes the wrench is the right tool. Sometimes the screwdriver is the right tool, but why would you not have a screwdriver in your toolbox? Right. Because in my view, if I can get an edge and use that word edge, I love it. If I can get an edge, why wouldn't I take advantage of it? And it's uncanny. It's uncanny. how We call it the calendar edge. The calendar edge, it's uncanny to me. I mean, we talked just briefly, you had mentioned the post-election um, cycle and looking at it. And I tell you in the book, I mean, if you look at February and March, I don't think it's any, you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting to me because you see NASDAQ eighth and ninth months for returns historically in the post-election uh, period. And, and I think in both February and March, historically a negative Average return. A little bit weaker. And also, if you look at, was it page, uh, is it 88, I think, is the the, the four, fourth quarter magic? No, that's the trading days. Or 100 and something. Q4 market magic. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. 102. 102. Look at Q1 of post-election year. 102. Yeah, got it. So you're 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 jumping on the the weakness in February and March in post-election years. Also, Q1. I mean, you're talking about new presidents, markets adjusting to new policies. I mean, this is what makes the January January barometer tick. You got new Congresses convening. You got presidents, new presidents taking office, or old existing presidents making policy um, decisions and and uh, discussing their initiatives and agendas in states of the union address. State of the Union, States of the Union address, or dresses, I guess. State of the Union addresses. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, that's the editor hat. <laughs> um, so 
Yeah, you know, political cycles. I mean, it, it, people are looking at what's going on in D.C. from around the world. Yeah, you got some other countries that have some clout also, but um, we still have a lot of driving uh, uh, power here in, in the you know, economy of the United States. Yeah, I mean, in the in the thing is they pay the piper, you know, and sometimes you have to pay the piper and I think it was March and and, you know, maybe we're doing that. So, I mean, I, I assume just to extrapolate, so I'm sure some of the listeners here are, you know, looking at their stock uh, accounts and they're looking at their NASDAQ holdings in, in particular. It, it would seem to me that you're not surprised necessarily by the action that we've seen in some of these tech and NASDAQ stocks and corresponding to the increase in energy stocks that we've recently seen. And, and so what would you, is this, is this in keeping what you, with what you would think should happen? Or it's in keeping, happen? but you got to remember to anticipate this stuff. Like we were recommending energy stocks before this big move. We, that, that's where the seasonals come into play. We were talking about, you know, post-election year, uh, weakness in February and March ahead of it. Um, and then I look at some technicals. I mean, there's a, about a 10% correction in the, in the uh, NASDAQ 100 or the Qs from the February high to that, that March low. And, you know, I'm actually, got, I got to clean up some of my, my support lines. I put a whole bunch on there. I got to clean. It's too much for other people to look at. Um, you know, people say this charts are too busy, but um, there's some interesting levels. There's a, there's a, uh, the September doji top, you know, is a great support level. You got that little W one, two, three bottom. And, and also, you know, the, the uh, sort of higher low bottom in October with that, slightly um trending up line it's a great support line very typical seasonal behavior in september october november for the record books a little bit more than everybody expected but one of the best months of the year especially for small stocks not surprising except the magnitude was a you know a little bit more than than a lot more than than usual which uh you know it's been pent up for a little bit yeah and i think that when you you're thinking with the nasdaq too and that 10 percent pullback and i think there might have been a fibonacci level that that was it was got kind of close to as well on that, um, mm -hmm. you know. I, and right now, I think probably like many people, we're watching for that follow through day. See if we actually get that follow through day with um, an up one percent day with higher volume than the prior day. And then I will then I will bring in the seasonals again. Um, you know, we've got mid March here, very strong period of time. Look at your March almond. Look at the bar chart on top of that page. Okay. You see, we're getting some of that. It's not exactly the same time. I think it was about a day or so early than the averages, but you got that spike. Now, we discovered that when I started working for Yale uh, full-time back in the 90s. And that mid-month spike is is driven, uh, you know, behaviorally and, and re repetitively by the payroll deduction, the mid-month payroll deduction going into the 401ks and the IRAs to the pension and uh, fund managers, institutions. They got to put that money to work. Mutual funds, you can't sit on cash. You got to put, you got to deploy that by by regulation. Yeah, and I mean, that, most of my mutual fund clients, so they'll run maybe two to five percent cash tops. You know, I mean, you got to put that money in, and and the that's another reason for the October seasonal low is that October thirty first deadline for transactions for for uh, making you know uh, distributions by year end. I mean, it's the calendar, man. You know, it's 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 there. So. The caveat I was trying to get at when you're talking about looking at that follow through day, but we're looking at a week period of time at the end of March, the week after triple witching. Was it down? It, sa it says it on page uh, 15, uh, excuse me, 35. See the bars on my screen too. Just Yeah, like, but, but we also have a note there in, in the diary page on um, page 35. Excuse me, 
Scratch that. Next page. 36. 37. Week after Triplewich and Dow down 22 of last 33. And then uh, end of March tends to take some serious hits from selling pressure. That's, you know, quarterly pension flows. It's people taking profits. So we're looking for that follow-through day. We might not get it until April. Best month yeah. of the year for the Dow. You know, so... This oh, chart yeah, right a, here was fascinating to me because it shows you can see the uh, the top one is the NASDAQ and it's the post-election year average and the we're talking page 44. Um, and you can see where the, the NASDAQ in the post-election years kind of trends down, 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 down into that March. And then boom, in April, really, really looks like it starts to rebound. To your point, you know, maybe, maybe don't, you know, maybe be watch for multiple things to coincide together. There's no reason necessarily to take on too, too much risk. Um, let this sort of play out because if, if you April, didn't get in, if you didn't get in during the, the, the weakness earlier, there's a dip. We have, we do a typical uh, month chart on our blog, uh, Almanac, uh, um, which gets pumped out through Twitter to at Almanac trader. And you can get it from our website, stocktradersalmanac.com, obviously, but you know, First day of March, strongest day by magnitude. Look at page 88. Um, you can see that there. And then there's a dip in, um, you know, after the first few days of March. And then we got this mid-month spike. So if you weren't in ahead of that spike, you got you got to buy those dips. And then you have another potential seasonal dip. And if it, if it um, presents itself, that might be a nice opportunity for an April trade if you're if you're going to be some do some seasonal swing trading like that. I don't do that as much. I mean, we have you know uh, different uh, biases on every day of the year for the probabilities fund, but you know in a newsletter portfolio and and you know for like personal account, I'll do the best and worst six months using the diamond spiders cubes and IWMs. Hope everyone knows what I, my little nicknames for that. Yeah, ETFs. Yeah, yeah, but the DIA, the SPY, the QQQ, I call them the cubes because it's three Qs, and then the IWM is the Russell. And, you know, we we put out signals for that. So, um, and then, you know, the sector rotation for the, like the oil seasonality sector, the ETFs there, XLE, uh, you can use the commodity-based ones as well. And then for our stocks, you know, we're looking for, you know, under the radar, acceleration of revenue and earnings growth, good valuations, uh, relative strength, not ahead of the S&P or, or the sector or the market and not trailing. So, you know, we have a nice um, nice screen, pretty solid screen that, that's beating the market. So for that stuff, I'm not doing swing trading. You know, I'm not doing that kind of thing. Uh, we're looking to hold those. And you know what? The key, the key for everything we do, check that emotion at the door stick to your system, have a ruling reason for getting into an investment, have an exit strategy, you know, and then sell your losers short or cut your losses short, let your winners ride. Um, yeah. We I mean, still was, half on a double. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just thinking about O'Neill when you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, how you talk, when you put these trades on, are you saying to yourself, Hey, maybe I'll trim some at up when it's up 20, 25%. Or are you just saying, no, I'm going to kind of let these, other things play out longer or do you trail it with a stop or how do you, yes. how do it you, depends upon, it depends upon the strategy. So we do trailing stops um, and we look for our stops, not like with O'Neill seven, 8%. Um, we'll have it a little bit tighter for big caps, large caps and, and looser as we go down the capitalization scale, but we're looking for levels in that chart, consolidations, gaps, pivot points, moving averages. Um, and then, 
the general selling, you know, or profit taking methodology is number one, sell half on a double. Okay. Take your initial investment off the table, especially with the small caps and even smaller. And then the other strategy, if you want to employ is up 40%, sell 20%, up another 40, sell another 20. You're not going to get every little point of that game, but you'll get a lot more. And if it keeps going up, just let it go up, you know, unless you find something more attractive. And uh, we also roll into seasonals, you know, from, from our MACD buy signal in October, November, whenever we get it, uh, starting after October 1st, we'll be more aggressive. We'll, we'll have looser stops and um, we won't have a, we never put a stop on the best six month switching strategy because that's pure seasonal. Yeah. And then when we get in, into the, the, the end of the best six months, when we get our sell signal, the sell in May period, if you will, we, we don't sell in May. We, we reposition. Could April, right? That could be an again. That could be as early as April, right? Could be as early as April first if we get a fresh signal and it's confirmed by both the S and P and the and the Dow. Nasdaq and Russell go eight months to June. We look for after June first, and on the sell side we look at twelve twenty six nine for the MACD. On the buy side it's eight seventeen nine. Shorter, faster for that for the bottoms, and slower, longer for the the the, the process of making a top. Makes so sense. we during those other periods. I mean, do you consider it to be? Do you just go to cash? Or will you try and take some more defensive posture where you say to yourself, you know, in the summer, I'm just going to own T-bills. Um, we do both in, in the, in the tactical, you know, seasonal switching strategy portfolio. We'll go into bonds like the um, BND or the AGG uh, in the stocks. We will go into defensive type stocks, staples, um, utilities, things that are kicking off dividends that aren't as volatile in the summer. And then for the sectors, we'll look at those sectors that, do well in the worst six months, as I mentioned, utilities and bonds. And um, there's a couple others, uh, uh, staples um, and, and and biotech also, you can get in there in the late summer. So there's a, there's a flow to the year. It's kind of like uh, Alice's restaurant, you know, where he says, you gotta, you gotta wait for it to come around again on the guitar. You gotta wait for it to come around again on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's fascinating stuff. And I think that what it does is it does allow you to do some, have some more discipline, be a little yeah. less emotionally driven. Um, and like I said, it's another tool in the toolbox that can help you with your decision-making. And it sounds like it's not limited to just, you know, the ETFs you're doing with the probabilities fund, you're doing individual stock selection as well. Probabilities fund is not individual stocks. That's oh, an ETF strategist. Okay, individual right. stocks is in the newsletter. Probabilities fund is yeah. just um, but that's every day. Uh, we have different leverage planned out. Uh, we have a um, risk metric based on a VIX to trim back leverage if if uh, volatility kicks up. But that is that is based on basically the the Dow, S and P, and Nasdaq, the, the Nasdaq 100 ETFs. So just to sort of like we don't you're busy. We got all sorts of things going on today. But, but I just want to sort of come back to the post-election year and kind of the cycle and what you might expect throughout the rest of the year from here. Um, I mean, I mean, what, how is, what are you thinking based on, on looking at the information that's in front of you as of today? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, but I'll direct you to page uh, in my intro, in my outlook, page nine, I think it is. There's a chart there, um, which I think, you know, you might want to look at. And we've done some Additional layers on that after the election with, you know, new Democrats, new first term Democrats. And, you know, we're expecting some potential week this year at the end of March and a Q1 rally in April. 
that May June disaster area, which has come and gone, but there's still weakness there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had some weakness there. Probably some strength in July, first month of the first first month of the third quarter. The beginning of the second half tends to have a um, a push higher, and then. August, September, last year, you know, August was great. It was, you know, the COVID was wrapping up and people were starting to open up. But August, September, you know, week period, uh, I would expect that again. I think seasonals have been back on track since September of last year. And I would look for, you know, pretty much sideways action from May through October with a couple of dips. I don't expect the bear market. And then rally to the close. I mean, I got a number in our in our base and best case scenario somewhere in the you know, 42 to 4,300 area on the S&P for the year, maybe a little bit higher, depending on how well things go. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a great summary. And I think it gives a, a nice little roadmap for people. And geez, Jeff, I tell you, that was a fun conversation. I hope uh, I hope we can continue at a, at a later date. I really appreciate you taking the time today to come and talk stocks with us. Thank you for having me. I, I look forward to it. Fantastic. Good stuff. Bye-bye.